Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, the NHL season has started. The world is upside down. The Vegas Golden Knights are 3-0. The Sharks are 0-2. It's a topsy-turvy world we live in, dude. <laughs> the Golden Knights are 3-0. Yep. I don't really get that. Well. But. And I'll tell you, you, you know who else I think is undefeated? The Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> up is down white is black the avalanche are the yeah, 19 seven, early 1980s islanders what's going on been some strange things happening here to start the season including the pure horribleness of brent burns but uh i suppose that we'll get into uh talking about him and the overall putridness of the san jose sharks and their first two games which are games against teams that they need to beat if they want to make the playoffs Philadelphia Flyers team which you know has started off the year you know fine with a 2 and 2 road trip but that's not a good hockey team and to lose at home to the Flyers is not a it's not that's not a good loss dude that's bad that's bad yeah it, the the Flyers have a, the number one overall pick. Nolan Patrick is the number one overall. Is that right? They have the number two pick. Number two pick. Um, I can't say I even really noticed him that much in the game. When you're 19 years old and you're playing in the NHL, it's pretty unlikely that you're going to make a monster impact your first night. But, yeah, I... I mean, the Flyers looked fine, but the Sharks did not. So that's why the Flyers won. The Sharks had a bad special teams night, I'd say. Even though I think their their power play stats looked better than they really were, honestly. Because mm -hmm. I, I distinctly remember, I think the first power play that they scored on, the whole power play just looked terrible from beginning to end. And then with 10 seconds left... LeBanc walks in, shoots, and scores. And it looks like a big success for the Sharks on the power play. But right. it, it really wasn't. It's not like they had two minutes of pressure and then, right? I mean, it was just, you know. Well, it, the, the power play was bad. The, the penalty kill was worse. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it, I had to sit there and not just me i had to sit there like i was the only one to watch we all had to sit there and watch wayne simmons who is the new tomas holmstrom yeah park his butt in front of the net and be basically unmarked unmarked and what's gonna that he's gonna score every time if you're gonna do that he's so good at putting in rebounds and creating traffic in front of the net. He's one of the best at the NHL at that. And to not have anybody, you know, he should be the focal point of what you're defending against the Flyers, 
he's the best player they have on the power play and you left him alone he scored twice i just like it, that is disturbing to me that's player um player fault that's coaching fault um it's not good and as good of a game as kevin lebank had on the offensive end taking three penalties including the one at the end of the game that basically lost the game for the sharks that's not good either <laughs> yeah but that's much easily that's easily fixable that's yeah. easily fixable. It's. I mean, we've seen Kevin LeBanc play before in a Sharks uni, and it's not like he was taking dumb penalties up and down the ice before. He had a bad game. He took some dumb penalties. It happens. I'm happy he scored twice. That was by far the best thing to happen in the first two games is, okay, Kevin LeBanc might be a guy that can sit in that top-line position, but we've seen plenty of guys that go out, play with the Joes, score a bunch of points in the first couple games, and then tail off. Can we find mm-hmm. a steady player that can produce points in that slot. We're not going to know that answer to that for a month, maybe two, but, uh, you know, it's a good start. <laughs> I'll give him that. Yeah. And, um, you know, as we've said, sort of on repeat, you know, the sharks need to continue to, to give him the opportunities. And he certainly has earned it in the first two games. We're seeing, you know, through the report of the Athletics, Kevin Kurz, that the Sharks are are going to, to start mixing up their bottom three forward lines, um, which, you know, they probably should. Uh, they haven't gotten a lot of contribution out of them at all. Uh, and the hurdle at center experiment seems to be over. Uh, two games into the season, he's been moved to Logan Couture's wing to play with Mikel Bodker on the second line. Yeah, I can I can get behind that. I don't think Tomas Hurdle ever had particularly good faceoff numbers. Um, I although I'd have to check that. Um, but here, let me look at last season um, if I can find it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it quickly enough for this to actually seem interesting in the show. Fifty-one point seven last year, so that's not terrible. Not it's not it doesn't light the world on fire. Actually, he's a lot better than uh, Logan Couture in that regard. <laughs> Maybe he should be taking face-offs and Logan Couture. <laughs> Logan Couture can play the center position, but Tomas Hurdle takes face-offs. I mean, that, uh, there's weirder things that have happened, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I like Logan Couture. I, I've sort of been saying this for the last year or two that I'm not sure he's a center. Like, I know he's a center, but he's just not not good enough in the face-off dot and not good enough defensively to play that second-line center role. I think he's miscast in that regard. He's a better scorer than he is a center. But, you know, they, they seem to have no problem moving Joe Pavelski out of the center spot, who's a better center than Logan Couture. Right. So, um, anyways, we won't go down that rabbit hole, but... Uh, the Sharks experimenting with their lineup. It looks like Ryan Carpenter is going to draw in tomorrow night against Buffalo. Joel Ward appears to be uh, the one who will sit along with Barkley Goudreau. Uh, they appear to be the two guys who are going to be out where uh, Carpenter will will draw in uh, and play with Melker Carlson and Yannick Hansen while we will have uh, Tierney and Timo Meyer and Jonas Donskoy playing on the third line, uh, maybe moving Tierney up a line is going to jumpstart his offensive 
possibilities, dude. Yeah, I, the, the bottom six is just a big, it's a big question mark at this point. We don't know, you know, it, it, on one hand, I was about to say something like, well, it's, you know, do we really want to, it's kind of a bummer that we have to scratch Joel Ward, who's making what, $3 million or something. I'm, I mean, 3.2 or 3.3 um, in that regard, and, and the guy's going to be a healthy scratch. I mean, that's not that's not a good sign, but the Sharks do actually have a ton of cap space here, so it's not like this is really going to hurt them in any meaningful way. I mean, this is Joel Ward's last year. Obviously, if he can't hold on to a lineup spot, then uh, next year he's not going to be making anywhere near that kind of money, but um, I've always <laughs> liked Joel Ward. They put Joel Ward on the power play all night, so... Joel Ward was kind of being the Wayne Simmons in a way. He was he was standing in front of the net. He was creating some traffic. You know, we've talked about how the Sharks need a guy like that. I don't mind Joel Ward doing that spot. If he's out of the lineup, who's going to do that? Timo Meyer? I hope. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, it, it, it goes back to that message of, of consistency that this is what I was afraid of, that the Sharks would lose, you know, they lost their first two games in particularly unimpressive fashion and they're starting to already change things up and you know we haven't seen them bring players up from uh the barracuda and send people down but you know joel ward's playing you know full shifts on the power play for one game and it doesn't go well and now he's out of the lineup and it's you know, there's just no attempt at trying to have there be any sort of consistency. Now, on the other hand, it, it didn't go well, but you know, we're two games in, and um, I, I think that it appears that they're already attempting to grasp at straws here. Like, we're... But are they grasping at straws in the correct direction? I don't know because well, they're they're grasping yeah. at straws in the get Joel Ward out of the lineup and bring in a younger player. If they're going to grasp at straws, I'd rather they do it that way than get all the young guys out of the lineup and and bring in, you know, an unsigned free agent who's thirty three years old who can, sure. you know, he, yeah. they bring in Scotty Upshaw. You know, it's like I don't want to yeah. see that. No, I, I agree with that. Um, are they going to? Yeah, I don't know. I it'll be interesting to see how they respond. But if they just keep changing things every single night, then I don't know how they're supposed to build any momentum. If they're looking for lightning in a bottle one night, and then they'll try and build on that, that can be as misleading as two bad games. You know? Yeah. I mean, you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, they got their asses handed to them badly. 10 to 1. 10 to 1. They got worked. And then tonight they went to Washington and they won. They didn't panic. Yeah. They didn't, you know, uh, start shuttling things around like crazy. Well, of course, they are the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup <laughs> champions. Right. I, if anybody's got a little latitude to do something like that, that it's the Pens. That, that, by the way, I got with the ninth pick in our Vegas draft. But, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, Wasted pick, if you ask me. There's no chance. You <laughs> okay. want to give me odds? I'll give you. So, the, I'll give someone, you the Vegas odds. I'll give you. Someone worse. grab. Someone grab the clip of Mike saying that right now. Yeah. When 
when I win my sixth straight Vegas Cup because you pass on the Pittsburgh Penguins four times, it's going to be very amusing. I'm very, I'm very uh, upset with my picks, but I am not upset that I didn't take the Penguins in the number eight slot. I didn't want them either. I know you didn't. <laughs> but at a certain point, it became ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know you, when I would. I would have taken them the next time around. You would have taken them next. You could. You wouldn't have let them get to eleven. Yeah, you're right. You there's no way. You 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 couldn't have looked yourself at yourself in the mirror. No, no, I couldn't. Dude, but they do lose ten to one. <laughs> we we have Paul Martin, um, struggling with an ankle injury. Yep. And it appears that Tim Heed Tim is Heed. going to draw into the lineup tomorrow night. Yep. Tim Heed, could he be what ails the power play? Or what fixes the ailing power play? I don't know. It It's certainly not looking good. I, I'm willing to try new things. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess on one hand... I understand it. On the other hand, and the hand that's larger to me that makes me frustrated is that um, I feel like these things sort of needed to be ironed out in the preseason, and then they needed to give some consistency a shot when the season started instead of changing things again already so soon. So um, I hope that it all works out, dude, and that they beat Buffalo 6-2, to two. And that they have a great game at both ends of the ice. But, you know, there are some red flags popping up in just two games already that make me concerned about where this season is headed, dude. Yeah. Buffalo hasn't won a game yet, so. True. True. So the, the, it's it's ripe. Tomorrow. The Sharks are, they're ripe for the pick and the Sharks need, you know, they're going to be on the road. The Sharks need to, need to beat them. That's, that's a very winnable game. Yes. It is. How happy does it make you to see the headline from Kurz today? Um, sharks are still having fun. Really, after, I didn't see that one after, today. After tough start, and then the so basically the beginning of the article is talking about how much fun they had at practice. Did they go to Dave and Buster's? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm glad they had a good time. Did they cater and get some good barbecue food? You know they. <laughs> Maybe they they brought in a foosball table and uh, dude, what's been the bright spot so far in two four games? Aaron Dell <laughs> looked good after they pulled Jones because Jones does not look good in either game. Aaron <laughs> Dell, he's still batting a thousand, hasn't given up a goal, baby. Hey, there you go. Well, maybe Aaron we'll see Dell. Aaron Dell. Uh, will we see Aaron Dell this week? Hmm. No. You don't no. think so? No. Aaron Dell does not start one of these games this week. Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday versus Montreal. No. Who's Saturday? Islanders. He starts that game. You think so? Yes. Okay. They can't play Jones five in a row. Like, I think that, you know. Played 65 last year. We learned nothing. Like, no, it's silly, especially since he hasn't looked right. Right. Uh, yeah. He, the, the thing is, it's. You know, Kurz went into a little bit on one of his recent columns about how maybe Jones's save percentage isn't great, but he makes key saves at the right times and all this kind of stuff. And 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 
I'm not entirely convinced by this argument, but I can I can understand it. But that's precisely what he didn't do the first two games. He gave in the in the Philly game he gave up a bad two bad goals early or at least one bad goal early, which really put the Sharks in a in a tough spot. Um, and he gave up a bad goal to L.A. Um, and the game sort of got out of hand. And so, you know, that's exactly what you don't want. <laughs> Right. I mean, everything was going not not swimmingly, not great in either game at the time. But I'm sure that's got to be disappointing when you're like, oh, man, like he scored on that. Like there was that one, especially in the Kings game where I'm you know, he's outside the circle and picks the, the near corner top, which was admittedly a great shot. But that's a shot that the goalie has to get. I mean, he didn't even need to move. To, he, he shouldn't have had to move to pick it out, you know, get it on the shoulder. But he was ducking down a little bit, went over his shoulder. It was just a just not a good goal. Nope, dude. Nope. <laughs> I have nothing to add. So the one position that seemed to be all locked up and now also has a small question uh, mark. Although, you know, Jones, I think everybody says he's strong. When, when the defense, when the D has not been playing well in front of him either. So it's true. You know, um, I don't know if we can blame Martin Jones for, you know, the Philadelphia game where, they Philadelphia scored three power play goals. Like, yeah. I mean, give me a break. Like, I mean, like they, they they were put in position to to be successful multiple times. Like, you know, you've got to you got to bail them out, or or at least give them a chance. I mean, Philadelphia should not be scoring five goals like that. That's Agreed. Bad. And and Burns has not had a good couple games, dude. Is there anything in particular that you've seen from Burns that you was particularly noticeable? Um, he is crying about his uh, Bob Buchner. Uh, you think so? Lack of Buchner. Yeah. I don't know. Um, no, I mean just poor choices. Uh, poor choices. Poor decision making. Um, that's shot selection. Like I, I think that it's all those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's been prone to bad decision making, and he seems to be. Uh, it seems to have been highlighted in these first two games, and the fact that Paul Martin maybe isn't a hundred percent isn't helping. Sure. To cover those mistakes, I don't know how much. To be heed. Is going to help with that. I doubt he will play with Brent Burns, but right. um, you know we haven't seen anyone else really partner successfully with him. It'll be interesting to see who it is. I would imagine it's going to be Dylan DeMello. Um, I don't think they would put Brendan Dylan with him. That seems like a really bad idea, but we'll see. I think that's what they did against LA when when Martin wasn't playing well is they put him with Dylan and mm-hmm. they put Vlasic and Braun, they kept together. And then I think they played the DeMello and Martin pair a lot. Right. Less. And you know, uh, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if there will come a point where they're going to flirt with the idea of putting Vlasic with Burns. Um, but I think that that defeats the strategic idea of having Vlasic and Braun take the burden of the number one defensive assignments and not having to put Burns 
that position. You, know, you want to shelter him somewhat. Yeah, that that's what you want. You don't want to have Burns facing the the top top opposing line. You want Burns to be in a position to create some offense. Right. I mean, it's but to me, it, not that it's obvious, but you know, we know that Burns did tail off at least his scoring in the latter half of last year, but you know, the whole team kind of went down the latter half of last year. They so. did. They did. But it certainly seems, I mean, it, at least to me, it seems pretty obvious. And maybe this was happening the first half of the year when Burns was scoring a lot and he was just able to score anyway. But it seems like everybody on the ice is concerned about blocking Brent Burns' shot from the point. I mean, to me, he needs to shoot less from the point position and maybe he needs to skate, try to create, um, more create his own shot as opposed to receive the puck and shoot it because uh, everybody is trying to block that shot. Everybody, <laughs> you know, it's like there's two at least at least two guys trying to block that shot every time he gets the. Well, you the get point. a book on people, right? You, you get a book on people and what their strategy is, and you know these guys watch film. They've been told how to defend each other, and you know the sharks need to make adjustments. Like you have to make adjustments. Um, and it's not necessarily in personnel. It's in strategy. And we haven't seen the Sharks be successful in that. I haven't seen a great deal of change in the power play. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same. It's, it's the, the same. it's the low to high, try to get a tip in front, or Burns shoots it on net. So that really worked great last year. So I'm <laughs> glad that they're sticking with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well dude, dude it's only two games in i mean we really should know, take this it, too seriously it here. is only two games in and it's exactly why uh people love our podcast because we're so good at being overreact yeah we're such a um, we're such a weather vane we just it well you know dude i i think it, it's because i've been trying to prepare myself and the listeners and friends who are sharks fans for the inevitable fall that is coming. I feel like it's coming. We saw it happen with the San Francisco Giants this year where they took a massive dump and they were the second worst team in MLB and they should have been the worst if fat Pablo Sandoval didn't hit a home run on the last day of the season to cost the Giants the number one pick. They did not get the number one pick because that fat turkey hit a home run. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know so it's just perfect you know like the Giants horrible season they weren't as bad as their record they had some terrible injuries they, even if they were healthy they weren't going to make the playoffs they were a championship team it is run its course and the Sharks were a championship caliber team I fear has run its course the light has been turned off and they're continuing to click the light switch, trying to see if it'll come on. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to brace myself for. Gosh, I hope I'm wrong. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I think yeah, the Sharks are definitely better than the effort that we've seen in the last two games. That that's, is true. That's for sure. But these are the games you've got to win because, you know, if you go one and three against the Kings and the Islanders and the Sabres and the Flyers, you should have been 4-0 before you're going to go on an East Coast road trip. Good luck. Right. Good luck. You're going to march into Montreal 1-3. Good luck to you. 
because you could easily come home from that road trip way below 500. Montreal's one and three right now. I know, dude, but I, I'll tell you, that's a tough place to play. So yeah. doesn't matter who you are. That's not going to be an easy game. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Yeah, it's you're you're absolutely right. Like these games, like they need to beat the Sabers. They need to beat the Islanders. Like they better be two and two. Like I, they there's yeah. no excuse for them not to be two and two. Not only are those teams not very good, those teams aren't even playing very good. So both right. neither of those yeah. teams are playing well. Unlike yeah. say like the Devils or something who are three and zero, which nobody right. expected. You know, or the Golden Knights who are three and zero, which nobody expected. But right. You know, these are teams that we didn't expect to be good, and they're they haven't been. So it's it's time to beat them. It's time to beat them, dude. I'm on the I'm on the bandwagon. All right, dude. Well, um, there, uh, there's not much else to talk about in terms of in terms of the NHL because it's still such a young season, and and there's no real trends to speak of, except that. Yeah, I mean the ten to the ten to one game we talked about. You know, Chicago obviously is is still. Uh, they're three zero and one, so Chicago's looking better than I think we, we both sort of expected. And but you know, three games in doesn't mean anything. Everybody goes on a three game winning streak throughout the season at some sure. point. Sure. So, anyway, dude, I don't have anything else. Is there? What's what's the what's the one thing we want to look forward to here with Paul Martin out? What are we looking for? You think that? Do you think there's going to be a different lineup? Yeah. Well, I, I think that we're going to see Tim Heat. It, it seems like you know. <laughs> I think we need to see Ryan Carpenter, um, but uh, I I don't know, dude. I, I really I I'm I'm kind of at a loss. I feel like they they don't. On one hand, I'm saying stop, be consistent, and make play the same lineup. And on the other hand, I really didn't love the lineup that they were putting out there in the first place. I, I would like to see more Chris Tierney. I would like to see more Timo Meyer. I would like to see them being put in positions to score and to be um, aggressive offensively. And I feel like the roles that they're being put in are uh, shielding them from those opportunities. So maybe by putting them together on the third line, having some chemistry that might, uh, that might do something. I'm certainly more excited about that than the positions they were being put in otherwise. But if it doesn't go well after 10 minutes, I'm afraid that they'll both be sitting on the bench. Right. So um, that's that's my fear, dude. I hope it doesn't happen. That's the fear, dude. Go Aaron Dell. Go Dell. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the Sales Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.